This is Nested Query Podcast, The Wise Guys, talking about Season 1, Episode 8 of Sopranos, Legend of Tennessee Multisanti. So in this uh, episode, we'll start out first where Tony's and all the capos and their spouses are at a wedding, and the uh, someone informs him of a leak through the FBI that there's going to be some possible federal indictments on the way, on the horizon. So Tony is given just a tip uh, that he needs to kind of make sure that uh, things are hidden, that things are uh, basically some spring cleanings uh, needed by himself and all the capos. So you have a little bit of a montage where Tony, all the capos and their spouses are immediately leave the wedding um, to do some spring cleaning at their home where they can, you know, destroy documents, hide any kind of contraband um, in anticipation for uh, federal indictments. Uh, Along with that, you have uh, Chris, Christopher, who's a, kind of once again disappointed with uh, his progression in the family. Not only that, but also disappointed with his sudden writer's block and the script that he's trying to develop uh, on his own kind of life of being in the crime family. And then you also have um, some interaction as well between Liv and Uncle Junior, where uh, Liv um, basically reveals some very secret knowledge of Tony that Junior finds out about. Just to kind of go back to the wedding, what'd you think of that of that scene with the wedding? It was it was yeah, it set the it set the I guess the tone for the episode, getting everyone ready for these indictments, scaring everybody into um, making preparations for it. The uh, it was kind of funny seeing everybody worried, yeah, uh, scrambling uh, what I thought was funny was when, as everybody starts to leave the wedding, you see like it. It goes to that guy I think that told Tony. I guess it's his daughter's wedding. Yeah, Larry Boy. Larry Boy, and then yeah. they show the the bride, and she's crying because everybody's leaving. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought, but I thought that was cool was they show Tony and Carmela at the at their home, and then I guess they lift up some kind of, you know false kind of area by the kitchen and they start bringing out money. Yeah. They start bringing out weapons. Carmelo's like gra- grabbing the shotgun and the Uzis or whatever. And I'm like, I thought that was so gangster. Like, man, <laughs> got ra- that's that's his right, right or die, you know? Like, yeah. But it goes back to what I've said before. She's a terrible person. <laughs> she's she's not some innocent Of course not. She's just she's as bystander. Yeah. yeah. She she knows all, everything that's going on. She's helping out because she wants her cush posh life is it, is it more of she wants to quit her posh life or is she standing by her man it, it can be some of both it can be some of both but she's she's an accomplice yeah she's, I think it, this is she's an accomplice but she also <laughs> loves Tony yeah yeah I, I, I her actions in scenes like this, it's it's not that it's pure bad. Every I think every person is a mix of good and bad. 
I like how the, I like that they show a big pussy kind of outside in the backyard with the grill going, and then you see the documents fall on the grill, and he's burning all these documents. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty cool. <laughs> the uh, <clears throat> I love the um, you know, it, it's kind of funny seeing that where where everyone's trying to burn this stuff, but at the same time, Christopher's trying to put it all on paper <laughs> yeah. to create his script <clears throat> in the so that the title. Uh, the Legend of Tennessee Montesanti. So I think it references Tennessee Williams, the playwright. Right. And I think I think the whole episode, maybe a, a tying theme through all the storylines, is kind of the uh, reality versus perception, um, kind of the legend making or myth making and, and showbiz um, that that is kind of built up around mafia life. Um, is it glamorous? Is it not? How do how do people perceive it versus what's what's the reality? Because you <clears throat> you have Christopher making a script. What I he wants to be famous. And what I thought was kind of funny was okay, so he's having trouble writing, and he's pissed because he he thought he thinks that he like deleted his whole script, and his girlfriend's like, no, just do Control Z. I'm yeah, it, you know. Little things like that, like this guy's so green to script writing, yeah. And what's you mentioned it? He's putting it all on paper, but I, that that worries me. Like you're putting something down on paper, and is that going to bite him in the ass in the future? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but it's funny how so for for Christopher, this whole <clears throat> the perception and stuff around mafia life. He wants to be a boss, a capo, a don, whatever, whatever it is. And so he, um, he's writing this script. Um, at the same time, reports are coming out about the feds investigating the mob. And um, Brendan, who was killed, I don't know, three episodes ago, shows up on the news. Yeah. And Christopher gets depressed because <clears throat> Brendan was Nobody. a pathetic guy, a pathetic actor within the mob. Um but he's kind of famous now, where Christopher isn't. He's not mentioned at all in the news. Yeah. He, he wants to see himself up there, so that the fact that he's not mentioned makes him more depressed. Gives him it seems to like make his writer's block worse. Right. <clears throat> so there's there's Christopher dealing with. Um, he he embraces this like legend of the mafia and wants to be a part of it. Right. <clears throat> and then in, go ahead. One thing I thought was interesting too was you mentioned about. Chris putting it all on paper and they're trying to get rid of it. But also too, um, they're trying to they're trying to, they're anticipating his indictments so they're getting rid of all this incriminating evidence because they can't. And Chris can't get Christopher can't get rid of anything, but the incriminating evidence that the fact that he killed Emil is haunting him in his in his head. He's having yeah. nightmares. Yeah. So it's like all these capos can clean their hands of things and get rid of stuff that's haunting them, right? But he can't get rid of what's haunting him in his head. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of kind of interesting. Yeah. <clears throat> the another another piece in the in the show around perceptions of of the mafia or Italian Americans is Dr. Malfi. She's going through 
Well, they, they show her at dinner with her family, including her ex-husband. And they're also going through therapy. So they're seeing a therapist. But it so the, the ex-husband is so worried about the perceptions of Italian Americans. So he hates he, he basically finds out that Malfi's treating some kind of monster. He doesn't right. know who. But um, he's so upset that the, the stereotype exists of Italians as mobsters. So he's very critical of her for, for treating this guy about the stereotypes that exist. Right. Um, and, and accuses her of being a moral relativist by helping this guy. Whereas she, <clears throat> I think in many other episodes, she comes across as some kind of a moral compass, maybe for Tony. Right. But here, in a way, she's kind of defending Tony against her husband. She's, she's saying, oh, this guy needs treatment. What's wrong but I think with me? It, I think in retrospect, she's also defending her profession. Yeah. You know, because, you know, you may not like who I'm treating, but everybody deserves treatment at the end of the day, either. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and, it, and it's funny, though, the one, I guess the therapist is Jewish, and he thinks the whole thing is kind of funny. He doesn't seem to see the ex-husband's concerns. He, he kind of, he just talks about, but he's he, related to some Jewish mobster, and he thinks it's cool. But didn't he also chuckle, <clears throat> like, during the, like, during the talk we had? Like, yeah, I think he started. And then he, like, even apologized, like, oh, I'm sorry. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, who does that? Like, when I saw him, like, laugh, I was just like, oh, God, like. Like, this guy was making jokes about it, and it, just, yeah. it didn't seem fair to both of them. To be yeah. um, I mentioned this last episode, and I think it's it's fair to mention it now, is, um, so we, back to the last episode really quick, when Tony had flashbacks as a kid, and he sees that all, his dad and all these other capitals are taking their daughters to the, the, the fair or the park to kind of be their decoy so they can do business there. Uh, I see that now that, Tony and Carmela are hiding the guns, the money in Liv's room. Yeah. And then it, it, it also shows that all these other capitals are trying to get their moms or or their parents into this old home. Into the same home, and, yeah. And the, into the same home so they can do the same thing too and hide all their valuables in there as well. Yeah. And then treat that place like the way Johnny Soprano treated the carnival. Right, right. You can business, go there and do business. Do, do business there while they're, <laughs> while they're visiting their, their alien parents. Yeah. The, uh, the first, the first, I think the, the, I think the episode starts off with the dream right. that Christopher has of Emil, the, I think, Czechol, Czechoslovakian guy that he killed. Um, Showing up at like the butcher, at the butcher, right? Yeah, and it's a pretty scary, pretty scary dream, um, and creepy. But I, I think that's interesting. Um, so I, I think the episode is kind of about perceptions and myth making around mafia life, and I think the 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 lived reality for someone like Chris, who's a murderer, he's is, that he, is that he's haunted yeah. by his victims. It almost like, like the Hollywood aspect of it is that these guys are so tough. They're gangsters. They can care less. They have all these notches on their belt of people they've killed. But then when the reality is that people like Christopher, they 
they crave that mob lifestyle, but they're haunted in reality with all the bad stuff they've done. Yeah. I think Pussy even says that he, he was, he's haunted Yeah, by his victims. And he, I think he says, one guy was chasing me for six months in my dreams right. before I got rid of him. And all that kind of pent-up kind of stress, frustration, it shows when, you know, didn't Christopher show up to a bakery and he was, like, upset with yeah. just the state of his life at that moment and he gets into an altercation with the, the guy at the counter and doesn't he shoot his, like, shoots foot? His, yeah, shoots his foot. And uh, that actor, I forgot what he was telling me, I think he was in that movie Jarhead. Okay. I didn't recognize him. But, uh, yeah, so then you have all that going on. That word goes back to Tony, and I guess that kind of spurs kind of Paulie to go kind of check up on him. Yeah. At his apartment. Yeah, Christopher goes off the rails. Um, and and Tony eventually kind of tracks him down and is pissed at him right. for, for shooting that guy. Because it's just pointless. Why... Why risk your our, our business? Yeah, getting caught, <clears throat> possibly having to be, you know, anytime someone's arrested for whatever it is, there's a chance they'll be flipped in some way. Why do you do that? Just over some, you know, some some Danishes. Right, it's not worth it. I thought it was funny too when Paulie went to go check up on him at his apartment. Uh, he's like, "What are you doing? What's wrong?" And Chris is like. Christopher's just like, I need an arc. I need, I need an arc for my yeah. script. Like, I've read all these script making uh, books and I need an arc. And then Paul, Paulie's like, well, you know who had an arc, right? No, I had an arc. <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, Paulie's, Paulie's good on the one-liners. The, uh, another big plot point is that um, Livia tells Junior about the psychiatrist. Right, right, right. So they're having they're having a conversation in I guess what would be like the rec room of of the old folks home with the terrible comedian. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Telling jokes. Yeah, he's telling <laughs> jokes, and um, and then she finally kind of tells Junior that he's seen a psychiatrist, and Junior is just kind of like basically surprised. Um, I can't believe that he's doing this, but he's also kind of cautious because. His, impre- his impression is that he's probably telling his psychiatrist everything about what's going on with the, the family. Yeah. Then the cops show up, tell it, give it with a search warrant. Yeah. So they search Tony's house. FBI finally <laughs> shows up, uh, basically tells Tony, hey, we can go back, get the search warrant, uh, make a big ordeal out of this, or we can do this quietly. And... Tony's fine with that. He's already moved all his stuff to his mom's place. And they do that and they, you know, you have that two, two FBI agents. One of them's kind of, uh, you know, talks to Tony nicely. He's like, hey, you know, let's do this the right way. We'll go on, make a big deal about it. And then you have that other one who breaks some glass bowl in the kitchen. Yeah. And then Agent Grasso, right? Who's Italian. Who's Italian. Um, so then Tony kind of mouths off at him, cusses him out in Italian, and they almost have an altercation there. But then uh, you have that other FBI agent say, you know, hey, it's okay, we're sorry, clean, clean it up, clean it up. And uh, they find nothing. You know, they, they, 
find out the thing that's going on. Um, but I think it's kind of starts to prepare the viewer like myself with, you know, you're going to, I'm not sure if they're going to use the same FBI agents or, but it kind of adds a name to a face now of who's, who's involved in this case from the, the law enforcement side. Yeah. I think it's after that they're having dinner once the cops are gone. So, so Tony's pissed. Um, he says he's pissed about the Italian guy, but that's probably just a cover. He's just, he's just angry about the whole thing. Right. You know, getting searched, that there's cops on their tail. Um, so he keeps, he, he keeps bragging about different Italians. That's right. History, Italian-Americans. That Alexander Graham Bell didn't invent the telephone. It was yeah. an Italian. Yeah. And so, yeah, inventors, uh, they might mention Christopher Columbus or whoever it is. But I think, too, that that kind of, I think that kind of tells to just, just pride in general, you know, pride in general for who you are as a person and your nationality. Because I remember, uh, I mean, even me as a kid, you know, in the dinner table with my dad, and he would bring up stuff like, you know, you know, he, you know that, that ball player right there, he's Mexican, from Mexico. Yeah. You know, he would say things like that, like, just kind of had that pride of who you are. I mean, and I think it's not just specific to Tony as being an Italian or in the mob. I think you'll see that for all other types of races. Yeah. Yeah, you definitely will. And I think it can be, it can be a good thing to, to have pride in, you know, a fellow Mexican ball player or, or a successful inventor or whatever. Here, it's, I think, uh, an abuse. Okay. Uh, it's an abuse of identity politics to use, you know, y- yes, this inventor of the telephone, that's great. And that's something to be proud of. That doesn't excuse your mob life. <laughs> yeah. like there, there's good uses of cultural, ethnic pride. But this one's, this one's a bad one. Right. Because he's, of what he's, he's it's he, a cover. He's using his heritage as an excuse <clears throat> to be in the mob because mo- yeah. mostly uh, mob is, the mob families are tied to Italians. Or, yeah. You know, so. Yeah. It's, he's using it as an excuse of like, well, it's okay because, you know, it goes back all the way to Italy. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of funny. So Tony, Tony's with his family. They're all talking. Um, and he's using these accomplishments of great Italians or Italian Americans to puff up their pride. And, but then in, in another scene, Malfi and her family were the therapist complaining about bad Italian Americans and the mob making them feel guilty or dragging down dragging their name through the mud or their their cultural heritage through the mud but yeah it speaks to I mean every race is going to have their good and their bad apples yeah Um, and it's just kind of one of those who do you want to what what are you going to let dictate your pride or your heritage right Um, I mean me being a Mexican I can look at certain people that have grown and done great for the for Mexican communities but then there's also the, the bad apples that you know uh, you know we don't talk about him you know yeah and then at the very uh, towards the very end of the episode we see uh, Christopher gets a phone call from his mother yeah and then uh, there's all this press going on about the diamonds that are about to happen and then out of nowhere, uh, publication um, lists Christopher as involved yeah. in <laughs> the ties with the mob and the possible indictments. So then the 
you know, the mom tells him, and he's he one, he's irritated because of this writing block. He's irritated that his mother's calling him to bother him. And then when she finally mentions, you know, your I, name's read, in the paper. I read your name in the paper. He's like, what? wait a minute, what? You know, which paper? And then it shows him like driving to some newsstand on the corner of a street, and he immediately buys a paper. He opens it up right there and he sees his name, and yeah, and he grabs like all the all the yeah, papers and all of them out of the box. And he like just shoves them in the backseat. You know, he's so happy that. Yeah, you know he has a little bit of clout or some. Now he's famous. Yeah, now he's now famous. he's a known gangster. Yeah, yeah, and I'm wondering if that kind of gets rid of his writer's block in the future. Yeah, yeah. So I thought that was kind of funny to see him carrying like ten or fifteen papers and shove them in the back of his car and yeah, drive off happy. Yeah, it's an interesting. Uh, illustration of how fame can corrupt, right? Your your good wishes. Yet he had, he had one interaction between Tony and Doctor Melfi. I mean, I think he tells Doctor Melfi like, "Hey, you know, I might not be here next next appointment." Yeah, and he's alluding to the indictment. So Doctor Melfi's like, "I don't want to know what's going on, but what do you mean by that?" And and Tony's just saying, "I'm just saying, you know, if I'm not here next week, then I may not be here for a while." So, um, I don't know. I think Doctor in the future. I think Doctor Melvin is going to get involved somehow, and I don't. I, don't, I hope she doesn't. Uh, I think. I think she'll be like. I think she kind of represents the the viewer, like all of us. Like, like she's she well, she's seen one aspect of what Tony's telling her, but we're seeing the rest of it. Yeah. You know. So I think I'm not sure what happens to her in the future, but I hope that uh, she stays. You know, kind of objective about things going forward. And, and Tony gets mad that she's going to charge him. Yo, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That that's right. And that's right. And then he like grabs money out of his pocket and just like throws it at, throws it at her. Yeah. And it, yeah, it's interesting because so she's Italian, and he he thinks she's screwing him over. And there's also that Italian cop. Yeah. Who right. he thinks is screwing him over. So I think he feels a little um, conflicted about. Maybe Italians out to get him, or there should be more solidarity. Or, or right, and like then that. what we'll see in the next episode is his interaction with what he calls the American American Eye, right? The, the the Americans and how they view Italians and mm-hmm. mobsters and stuff like that. So uh, I think these episodes kind of hit some very strategic kind of views of. Not only the mob, but Italians and how Italians are viewed by, their, like you mentioned, other Italians, yeah. good and bad, but also how Italians are viewed by other races. Yeah. And Tony, Tony thinks these Italians who who have legitimate careers are more or less good people. They're screwing him over. Yeah. Whereas the the Italians who lead, you know, more or less good lives, like Malfi and her family. They think Tony and his type are screwing them over. Yeah, it's almost like they Tony feel be- betrayed. Tony, <clears throat> Tony feels betrayed because he feels like my own people are are screwing me over. But then, what well, he's, I guess, looking back to how he functions as a mobster. Hey, I don't mess with other Italians. You know, you know, I may mess mess with other people from other nationalities, Americans, drug dealers, but I, I don't mess with my own people. 
And then when he sees that other Italians are doing this to him, he feels shortchanged. Yeah, and maybe he's <clears throat> thinking back to to how his father he roughed up. Uh, was it Altasori? Yep. He roughed up that guy, but then that guy was supporting Johnny Soprano. Yeah. <laughs> so he sees the way uh, his father was supported by fellow, fellow Italians. Right. Um, and he feels maybe like Malfi and that cop should, that be, should be more. They're not showing him the respect that he yeah. feels he deserves. Yeah. Just because he's, he's Italian. Yeah. So uh, go, let's go into music. Uh, the one mu- song I liked a lot was when Christopher is happy that he was mentioned in that publication and goes to the newsstand, grabs all those papers. It's uh, Frank Sinatra by the band Cake. And I, I thought it was interesting. It was just, um, I, I know that band pretty well. So. The well, one one comment about that the cake song. I don't know the, I didn't listen to the lyrics, but um, <clears throat> being that it's about Frank Sinatra, who's kind of the epitome of cool, yeah, fame, Italian cool and fame. Um, maybe that's a good kind of tie-in. Yeah, tie-in that Chris is dying for fame and, and coolness. Um, my favorite was "Summertime" by Booker T and the MGs. That's when Paulie goes to visit Chris. About and Chris is depressed. Yeah. He's got writer's block. The arc. Yeah. yeah. Talking about Noah's Ark. And he's um, he's trying to, to cheer Chris up. That was some good show music. Yeah, it's a cool beat. Cool beat, some cool focus music. He probably, he probably had it on in his apartment just to kind of get centered and get ready to kind of write. Um, yeah. Even though he had writer's block. That was good. Yeah. So overall, what you think of the episode? I liked it. I, I think it's interesting. I think there's more stuff that I probably, on another viewing, I'll pick up about the theme of, of fame and perception versus reality of, of the mafia life. So I think it's an interesting exploration of those those kinds of issues. I thought it was good. I thought it talked good to, about speaking to the the relationships that people have uh, interpersonally within their own race. Yeah. You know, kind of, you know, how per, one person portrays himself and how he views himself being Italian versus how other people view uh, different types of Italians. So you have Tony thinking that if... I'm Italian. I should be respected by all of the Italians because I'm giving you the respect that you deserve. Yeah. But then you also have the the views of Dr. Melky and, his, and her ex-husband, and you know, kind of the bad apples giving Italians a bad name. Yeah. So I thought it was really good that what we talked about on that. Cool. Cool. All right, man. Thanks. Thank you.